Good morning, traders and investors. Are you guys ready for pre-market prep? Today, we got a great show for you guys. We're going to talk some more spinoffs because it seems like it's spinoff week. Then we'll get into the disaster stock of the day. We'll also take a look at a major upgrade downgrades out in the market, especially that one on Apple today. You can't miss that. We'll talk a little bit about on on. The Swiss Performance Sportswear having an investor day today. Palantir Partnership. And of course, we got Tommy Lackey, the person that gave it to us best, at least I feel, that the first half of the year would be strong. What's going on in the second half? Hasn't been that strong. Of course, you guys saw the takedown yesterday. Will we have a Max Payne trade that can get to the bullish side today? Find out right here on Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders, let's get to the action. Let's take a look at what's going on here. I can take a look at the spy, spy. You guys can see starting to bounce back, and we'll talk all about that, as especially as coming off of the TLT. We'll get into that action. You guys can see with USO, oil coming down. I saw WTI, which is more my preferred, uh, down towards around 87.54, the bottom range being around 87.32. Days range to the high end, 89. Can we get back to 90? OPEC meeting going on right now. When I get an update on that, I will definitely go to it, guys. Gold, kind of look at this daily chart. You would think that in this environment, gold could get a lift. Definitely not getting a lift there. Silver, neither. We'll see what happens on that situation. But let's go back to the SPY. Let's go back to the TLT, and let's bring on my man, Dennis Dick. How are we doing today, Dennis? Doing good. A little bounce, a little bounce. Nice to see a bounce because we come in here and it seems <laughs> like we bounce overnight and then we give it back a little opposite last night because we were yeah. down most of the night, but then we rally it back. So pull the rug out from under that trade. Yeah, yesterday was a pretty tough day, right? I mean, it was a complete takedown. Uh, yeah. Of course, on Monday, we were kind of having tech Big tech at least hold the market up. All the other sectors kind of in the in the red. Yesterday, finally, we started seeing tech actually take the hit and everything started to drop. What did you see out there, Dennis? Yeah, well, that was it. It was take no prisoners. Let's start selling it all off. I mean, we've been forgiving, obviously, the companies and what we talked about, companies that have a lot of debt have been hammered. Companies that don't have a lot of debt have been holding up a little bit better and mega cap tech has been holding up really well. Yesterday was not the day for that. They sold everything off yesterday. So their bears eventually coming. Like Joel was saying, he gave me a call. He's like, they're coming for the generals. And that's what they were doing. Yeah, They were coming for the generals yesterday. NVIDIA, I know you had a nice trade in NVIDIA there on uh, live trading, I believe, Money Mitch. Yeah. Um, stock reversed double top. And yesterday, yeah. 5, 451. Talk about your trade. Yeah, I was looking for a reversal off that 450 area. I've been seeing it at such a vital spot. Last time when we were coming back through the 450s, we were coming up to this 460 on the right-hand side right here. You guys can see it. And I was thinking, okay, would that lead us back to the 500 rally? Then as we come back right now, we were going back towards that 450. But I started realizing how kind of pesky that area is being right now. So if we can't really hold above that, I think the bulls are going to be a, a, on a fight right now to get it back above that 450. Above 450s, yeah, you could, why not go back to 480s, 500? It's in reach. Yeah. But if we can't get above that 450 and Big we take level. out this low, the 410 low, this 409.80, that's when really we're going to start seeing uh, kind of the NVIDIA traders let go. And NVIDIA's overall hasn't really pulled back. I mean, there's a lot of stocks that have pulled back. Think about how much NVIDIA has actually pulled back from the highs. We're not talking, we're talking 23.6, the first FIB retracement. So it's a small pullback. It's still hanging in there. What do you think about this, Dennis? I mean, they're, they're all hanging in there. We have a lot of stocks still hanging in there. We've had stocks get killed 
and we've had stocks hanging in there. Nothing really rallying now. We're not seeing a lot of stocks make new 52-week highs. So, you know, it's not like we've had, you know, this relentless rally and stuff. But stuff hanging in there. Mega cap tech hanging in there. Maybe, like, for the good reasons that we've talked about already here, Mitch, that, you know, a lot of these companies don't have a lot of debt. So maybe it's somewhat understandable. I just don't like the valuations on these things. And I think if the consumer starts to get more strapped, eventually demand's going to start to fall. And I don't know if this market's ready to handle Apple missing sales. I don't know if this market's ready to handle Microsoft not guiding yeah. way up. I don't know if this this market's, you know, looking at NVIDIA and saying, well, if you're not showing us, you know, 40% revenue growth, you know, quarter over quarter here, we're not going to be in. Think about the last two quarters in NVIDIA. It's a little bit of a, is this as good as it gets? You've got to ask yourself that. So we get a relief pop this morning. The only thing that really matters right now, NVIDIA was your leader for three months on the AI boom. Remember we said, even if you're not trading NVIDIA, have it on your screen. It is leading all tech. What is leading all stocks, not just tech right now, all stocks is the TLT. If you bring up the chart from overnight chart on the TLT, the markets were down all night. TLT was down all night. Around what time is that green candle there, Mitch? Maybe you can grab it seven o'clock, seven fifteen. TLT like started this, to catch man. a bit. Look at that. Look, I, I love how this you, man. you see that yellow line. Look at that. Look, Look at, at those the yellow candles. line, how it moves. Yep. There, we were on a downturn on the spy, but that's right when we started turning in the in the TLT. This first green TLT went green candle before the spy. Look at it. The green candle came right before the spy went green. So that's what your leadership is right now. It is all about the TLT. It is all about bonds. I've said before, you cannot get bullish stocks until we start to see the TLT rally. Well, at least in the last hour, we have a step in the right direction. TLT has rallied a dollar from the lows in the last hour. So we have a step in the right direction. Is it sustainable? I don't know. But I'll tell you, it's hard to be bullish stocks if TLT is going to continue going down because... The alternative is just too high. I mean, when you start getting treasuries approaching 5 6% people are talking about there. I mean, Tina, dead and buried. And that's what's killed the staples and it's killed yeah. so many other stocks. But XLU started to turn a little bit yesterday. I mean, maybe seller exhaustion because we went, made a new low, but then we actually closed higher there. So could be some seller exhaustion there. Um, just, you know, they've just been massacred. I mean, it's not every week that XLU falls 10% in a week. That's just, you know, unheard of almost, unless you're in like a financial crisis. So I think it's seller exhaustion there. I think we are due for a little bit of a bounce, maybe on some of this really beaten up stuff here. But again, are we out of the woods? Keep an eye on that TLT. A dollar rally is a nice start, but we're definitely not out of the woods. So my question of the day, and I want to start doing this more and more. The question of the day today is the max pain trade now a bounce. Um, oh man, I don't know. Because it's a hard like question. some people it's a they hard look at question. the social media platform and they say, Oh, I see a lot of you know uh, bearishness. It's all yeah. bears and it's extreme fear. But then you look, and I see a lot of bullishness too. Every analyst that comes on CNBC, I still hear calls for the soft landing. So I think it's still, I don't think we are at extreme fear. I know the CNN gauge says extreme fear. I challenge that. I don't know how they calculate that. Maybe they tell us how they calculate it. But I don't think they calculate it very well because it does not feel like extreme fear. The last couple of days started to feel more fear. Like when they start selling everything, that's they're showing you extreme fear. When you start to see the VIX get over 20, which we did yesterday, that starts showing you extreme fear. But I mean, we're on the way to extreme fear, but I just don't think we're there yet. And again, you got to keep looking at valuation. You've got to look at, you know, the metrics here and just say that maybe, may, just maybe there's could be potentially some more downside here. So I think if you're all cash, if you're nibbling into some stocks here, I won't argue with you. I've been nibbling into some bonds, you know that. Uh, but I think if you're sitting, you know, 100% invested, and you're on margin and you're puking, you know, your guts out looking at your portfolio the last couple of days it means you get too much stock. So I think it's an individual basis here that if you're, you know, if you're really heavy long, I'd be selling them to restraint because I, I think there's more pain ahead. 
I'm going to wrap up the current environment here because I think it's also important to keep up with that. Right now, we're mentioning a couple of things, right? We're mentioning the focus has moved on to prolonged interest rates, wage inflation, and all those things that come with it. Labor agreements, debt-focused companies. We saw those solar names continue to get hit. XLU with a small little bounce back yesterday. Bank concerns. We're seeing the banks really struggle out there and a weakening consumer. Now, let's go to a downgrade today in Apple. Definitely catching the tape. One of the biggest losers today is going to be Apple on that yes. downgrade. Now, yes. the only question is, can they bounce back? Let's take a look at the chart here on Apple. And the downgrade here is from KeyBank, downgrading the tech giant to sector weight from overweight, citing concerns about slowing sales and a high valuation. I know there's someone here that's been talking about a high valuation on Apple. Huh. Maybe they're less than the pre-market prep. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about it. Dennis, what are you seeing here? It, on it Apple? makes no sense to me, the valuation on this thing. Um, again, you know, you know, guys, if you've listened to the show for the last three, four months, you know, I've been talking about Apple and the valuation not making sense. It's taking a long time. Coming back in. Apple at 22 times makes some sense at 20 times makes maybe a lot of sense at 28 times maybe it's down to 27 as the stock comes in i haven't looked it was 30 times up at 190 doesn't make any sense to me so i think i'm still sitting in the apple lower camp i've said i think it's going to 160 uh i just think there's also issues here with i, I don't know if the i don't think the quarter i think the quarter will be fine i don't know if the guidance is going to be great so that's what i'm concerned about is the forward guidance here we're going to come into earnings season. We're going to start that basically next week. Apple is until the end of the month, I believe. Do you have a date when Apple reports their money, Mitch? I'll throw you under the yeah. bus here. By I know you're not means. prepared for Don't that. Worry. But trust you, Benzinga Pro. <laughs> yeah. I can handle a bus. I can take it. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's see here. We don't have a confirmed, but the next date that we have is the 26th. So estimated yeah. around October 26th. About three weeks. We're about three weeks, and that week is always the biggest week for all earnings there. You worry, I just slightly worry that expectations are simply too high. And NVIDIA was, you know, unbelievable, and we saw what happened to it. So I, Apple's got to gotta have a good quarter for the stock to go higher. I just don't know if the market, unless, you know, we sell off significantly before yeah. that. Obviously, it's all about expectations going in. We have three weeks. I mean, if we were to sell off, you know, down to 160, maybe it doesn't mm -hmm. have to have as great of a quarter. But if it's here at 172, 175. I just don't know if they're going to give you the quarter that the market wants. So I, I'm very concerned with Apple. I need to know that. Yeah, I, I've called the 50%. I think I need to keep looking for that. I think if I jump in here on the 38.2% retracement, I think I'm jumping in a little bit quick here. And especially I don't see the plus side of the story coming too soon. Of course, iPhone sales could maybe make a little bit of a jump in the holiday season. But other than that, I don't see them getting the consumer demand that they expect maybe in that specific, you know, like let's say black Friday or Christmas time. But other than that, I don't expect these iPhones selling as much as they normally would in a weakening consumer environment. All right, let's move on to earnings here on Calmain foods, uh, the eggs, right? In earnings, Calmain foods badly missing the estimate here in its fiscal first quarter report. The egg producer posted earnings of just two cents per share, well below the expectation of 25 cents. Revenues also came in short. Calmain blamed higher feed costs and supply chain issues. The stock is getting shellacked this morning, down over 5%. Yeah, we're down big. I mean, this was the egg bubble in the stock. Everybody was attracted to the big dividend, which it still is a big dividend. I'm not sure if that's sustainable or not, though. I mean, the stock has given all of it back. So it had the big pop-up from 40 to 65 when eggs were going off the board. It felt like a $10 a dozen. And, you know, it's back down to reality. So all those, you know, all, all those profits are gone here now. Now you're left with, you know, it's a consumer staple that's getting hit here, and people don't think that dividend um, is sustainable. So that's why stock is down here. You got good support down at 35. It's a long ways down. I don't think I'm buying the dip on this today. ADP, ADP coming out here, Money Mitch. Yeah. So I just went A15. wide your chat. Thank Let's you. Let's go. For I got us you guys. I have it right above here. Number. 
Uh, estimate is 160,000 prior 177,000. Uh, so we'll see what happens here as this comes in. Looking to see this actually changes up the market here. I don't expect too much, even though we did get a little bit of a move on yesterday's Pop a little number. bit here on the ADP All right, number. so here's uh, ADP. I have 83,000 versus 153,000 estimate. So it looks like even my estimate changed there, but estimate at 153,000, what the number that came in is 89,000. So way low underneath the change there. And so how will that react to the markets? Let's see how the markets are reacting to that. See if we're getting a, an action we're getting here. Getting a little left here um, on the ADP number. I go to the five minute here to go a little bit closer. I'm not going to yeah. go to the one because if not, you know, too, too many people will get too excited. Uh, but here's the five minute on the left hand side. You can see we are a little bit of a pop there. I think now the only thing that I would be looking at is like whole dollars below, like 422. Back below that, I'll be a little bit concerned right now. If we can stay above that, especially where we popped at the 7 a.m., which was more the 421 spot on the SPY, staying above that today is going to be a good outlook to see maybe a little bit of a bounce back rental type of trade. That's the way I'd call it, at least for right now. Um, I could see some tech names maybe bouncing. Of course, we're seeing NVIDIA starting to come back. We're seeing Microsoft yes. strong this morning. Yes. So looking to see if the tech trade can at least get a little bit of a bounce back after yesterday's attempted takedown. Yeah, it's bouncing big time here. And the lie detector test, which is the TLT, is bouncing as well. So we add, actually added about another 30, 40 cents on the TLT on this nice number catch. too. So, I mean, again, keep that up. Even if you don't trade bonds, keep it on your screen of TLT. And just saying scenario analysis continues to rally, it probably drags the market up with it. If TLT decides to start rolling over, it probably drags the market with it. It is your leader right now. It's all that the market cares about is the bonds. TLT is a great indicator for that. So keep it on your screen. Let's go to more of what? Spinoff week. Because it feels like it is spinoff week. It Let's go to Intel. Yeah. Uh, Intel announcing some news last night. And we got two more to talk about. Let's talk about this. Intel's up after announcing plans to spin off its programmable chip division. The company believes the operating that business as an independent unit will help drive growth. What do you think about this, Dennis? Um, I mean, we're in spinoff season, it seems like. Um, investors like spinoffs. They like, you know, yeah. so... You know, and this is just getting announced there last night. So I don't know if we have all the details on this or if this is just being proposed or what it is. But the stock did pop a buck on it and we're seeing that. Intel came off right where it should, that 34. We talked about that level. That's kind of where it broke out from when it had the big run to almost $40 a share. Um, actually, I think it did hit $40. Funny how these you know whole numbers work. All the way down 34, put like a triple bottom in there and then it's starting to climb back up here again. So Intel's has been getting some love. You know, we got to say, you know, that the bulls, you know, as much as the bears are in control on a lot of stocks, the bulls are in control on Intel. I mean, we bought them this stock down at the $25 area quite a while ago here, and it's been trying to charge back. And we've been talking about the rallies in old school tech. We've seen IBM coming back, Cisco coming back until recently, that is. Obviously, Oracle, you know, maybe put a, you know, a, a wrench in those plans because Oracle got hit on their earnings. And that's old school tech as well. But yeah. I think we're just in an environment here where Intel, the sentiment towards our stock has turned a little bit. So I'd actually, if I, as a trading trading hat, I'd be a buyer of dips on Intel. And let's not forget, right? They've had a successful spinoff with Mobileye, right? I mean, I would consider this a success. I mean, it hasn't really ripped off, but I mean, how many other stocks do you know that probably have spun off and gone completely lower than their valuation? Now mm. look at Mobileye. It's hung in there. Right. I didn't expect this one to hang in there as much as it did. But that just goes to show me that maybe they saw this as a success. So they're seeing that, hey, let's continue splitting the business and looking for growth out there, looking for investors. Because, of course, Intel has been that kind of and I, and I got to say dying brand that is trying to make a comeback. That's the way at least I'd refer to Intel. Let's go to the next uh, spinoff news. LAC, Lithium Producer, Lithium Americas has split into two companies, Lithium Americas, and you also will have Lithium Americas Argentina. 
And so both will be trading on the New York Stock Exchange. You guys can look out for them today. One will be trading under LAC, and the other will be trading under LAC. I've got LAC gone now. AC. So LAAC I have. I don't have any quotes for LAC. So I think we have another uh, – I think we had a, another change there. Um, that's what I have right here. And this is, uh, oh, I, I see what's going on there. So L A A C. And then there's another, so this is stock, what's going but, on. So this is yeah. what's going on here. So the, the, the key to catch here is going to be the exchange. So they're going on the TSX under L A A C New York stock exchange, L A A C. And then yes. now a new America's corp that's only going to be trading on the TSX under L A C. So that's why I still have LAC here. So on TSX is going to be trading under LAC. The the New York on the Stock TSX Exchange is going to be on LAC. Okay, so yep. New York has no LAC anymore, or does? Yeah, LAC New York does. does not have LAC anymore. It'll only have LAAC, and right. I don't even this have all it right confusing. now. Actually, I have LAC going too, though. Now, no, I look at my one program. I don't. And the other one, I do. All these spinoffs screw stock. I hate spinoffs. It screws <laughs> stocks up. You got to do all the adjustments. You miss the right adjustment. I mean, and it go. makes a complete mess. So I have one system that isn't even looking at LAC. And the other one, I have it trading LAC. I have it down to $10.20. So Money Mitch, I think you're right. I think it actually is over here too. At least it's trading this morning at $10.20 on my is, one this system. This is what I there. have. This is what I have at least straight from the press release. And so this yeah. is how they have it now. Uh, that lithium Argentina is the New York Stock Exchange LAAC and also TSX LAAC. And then the classic Lithium Americas Corp is now LAC on TSX. So confusing. <laughs> the key here, Lithium, I don't think is making that move right now. I've talked about it. They need the EV wave to really come. Uh, lithium not making the move. Infrastructure needs Money to match. happen. Lithium made a move. Don't kid yourself. Lithium oh, made a move. Oh. It's straight down, man. I I know. I feel it. These are the two worst stocks yeah. in my long-term portfolio. I have ALB in there. It's an epic disaster. And I have LTHM, which I was way up in, and now I'm down in. Epic disaster as well. Yeah. So, I mean, believe me, they made a move. And you know what the move, why it's going down? Because it's all overall auto demand. I mean, just bring it right into this. Is You know, you got GM and Ford that got problems here, but I mean, the Tesla numbers were a little bit weak. I mean, this they're predicting here that demand is going to go down. So I think it's right. If the consumer's stretched, they're not going out and buying new EVs. So there's a concern here. And, you know, Tesla, I keep thinking it's going to reconnect with this at some point in time. It's obviously the big seven doesn't, you know, like it fits the bill of doesn't have a lot of debt compared to some of these other companies that have been getting hit. But you look at this and. I just think it's got to reconnect eventually, but man, Tesla's its own stock. It's its own little, you know, it's hard to, you know, obviously value Tesla from fundamentals and stuff because it's always just trade on story. But this lithium story, yeah. ice cold. And, and I think a big part of this leads us into our next conversation. We'll go to some of these automakers really quickly. Let's go to Honda Motors and Toyota. Honda Motors first disclosing on Wednesday that it commenced a tender offer for shares of a subsidy, Yoshido. And what is going on here is Honda already owns a 50.4% stake in the company. And they're taking the full stake. The only part that they will be spending uh, Kind of giving off is to an auto parts maker that will buy a majority stake in Yoshido's industry four-wheeler, but they will take the rest. And so that's why you're seeing HMC a little bit down here. But then Toyota coming in with their vehicle sales, this is where it gets a little bit confusing on Toyota's report here. North America reported September 23 U.S. sales of 203,904 vehicles. The U.S. sales were up 13.9% in September. Electrified vehicle sales surged 81.5%. And Toyota saying that by 25, Toyota's 10th plant in North Carolina will begin manufacturing automotive batteries for electric vehicles. And Toyota currently offers 26 electrified options. Now, one thing that I think that's coming into this and why Toyota might be coming down is what's coming in the future earnings, right? Are they expecting to see a consumer slow down? 
think yep. that's what at least the price action is definitely telling us. Yep. Um, I played this stock unbelievably. I bought it at 140 and I sold it at 190. So sometimes you just My get it absolutely man. right. My I sold this man. at 190 10 days ago, I think it was. And, 140 uh, to 190. Yeah, that's, you know, again... You know, sometimes you get, them, you get them right, but that one I played hey. really well. The whole reason I sold it was just got it just went up so much, and I'm like, I kept thinking about a you know slowdown, and this was priced for perfection. I mean, Toyota already getting back, you know, it's getting up near all time highs, like not far. I guess you know all time high two thirteen, but at one ninety, didn't feel like it felt like it was a stone throw away. I'm like, I don't feel like it has any business with GM and Ford being down as much as they are with Toyota being up near all time highs. Some people were saying the strike was good for Toyota, Honda, Tesla. Again, Gordon Johnson making fantastic points on CNBC saying, hey, you're sitting there looking at, you know, your Tesla and you're sitting there making 44 bucks an hour and you're looking at your competitors at GM or your uh, Ford, they're making 66 bucks an hour and they want 100. Maybe I want to raise too. So yeah. I think it's, you know, Toyota's probably in the same boat. I don't know where their numbers are, but I just don't think the strike's good for any auto companies here. I do think consumers going to get stretched. I do think demand for new vehicles is going to drop very quickly. From everything that I talk about, and, you know, we can move away from autos for a second, but talking to my buddy Jeff there yesterday, yeah. real estate agent, we're in Canada, different markets in the U.S., but, you know, it gives you a feel. I'm like, how is it? He's like, it is dead, man. Like, it is dead, the real estate market. He's like, there is no calls, just slow. So, I mean, this is what we're in. It's a completely different environment than we were in six months ago or a year ago. So stuff is slowing down. And that's important to just note. Like, I mean, sometimes it's just talking to real people out there. You know, construction crew, talking, you know, the construction crew. Some are busy, some are slow. So, I mean, we're getting to a point here where you're starting to see that stuff slow down a little bit, too. And it's got to be the rates, man. It's the interest rates. Like, people look, you know, well, I'm not going to go pay, you know, a million dollars for this house because the mortgage rate's too high. I can't afford to do it. So, I think, you know, we're getting a situation where interest rates are actually starting to matter. Yeah, look at this real estate. Uh, this is kind of an equally weighted uh, index that I have from TC that I really kind of been paying attention to. I was starting to really point to this on start swing trade of how this has really fallen off a cliff. And in areas where I'm seeing even more falling off a cliff is the area that was of concern a couple of months ago, which was office and what would happen with offices, right? And so look at these office REITs. And look how these are just starting to oh, really decline. Destroy. Look at look at that. Look at the weekly and how this has come down from 2002. And yeah, it had some pops along the journey, but this has been about a 50% decline in office REITs. And where are you below? Way below the pandemic lows, right? And so that just scares me a little bit that we could be running into some bigger issues. And what is big exposed to office REITs, Dennis? Well, your regional bank action, a lot of them. And so that's Banks why I'm trouble. pointing towards the trouble here in what's going on with the regional banks and what could possibly be coming down the line with office like real estate. Banks have some issues here. And you think, yeah, the higher rate's going to help them. Not when you're lending out to all these people at 2.7, 2.8%. And all these mortgage books. This was the problem. This is what we started with in March was the regional bank crisis. All these mortgage books didn't all of a sudden get better. They're getting worse with rates going up like this, Mitch. They're getting worse. All those regional banks that were in trouble back in March are probably in more trouble today. We're just not paying attention to it. Those nope. bucks, those mortgages exactly. that, that they're all underwater in, like I talk about a bank in Nova Scotia. I talk about this all the time. I mm -hmm. am literally got my rental property I have locked up for another year and a half at 1.64%. I am paying BNS 1.64%. I have a GIC, Guaranteed Investment Certificate, at the exact same bank for 5.2%. I'm literally just making 3 point something percent, whatever that adds up to, off of the bank, 3.6% off of the bank on that money. I, it's unbelievable. I mean, that's, that's not me doing that. They've got a lot of money lent out. And it's not just the Canadian banks. The U.S. banks are in way worse shape. Canadian ones will reset after five years. Yeah. Some of these U.S. ones, you think about it, your Look. mortgage is 2.7% or 3% in the U.S. Your bank is losing a lot of money to you right now. A lot of money. This is a problem, a serious problem that is not going away. Look at the Canadian banks. 
I mean, we're talking about these things going down, you know, making new two, three-year lows, Bank of Montreal, Bank of Nova Scotia, BNS. Um, and I, I don't own any of these. I actually own Bank of Montreal. It's a legacy position for my wife worked there, and I'm probably never going to sell it. TD Bank, I mean, it's starting to yeah. break down. looks a little bit better than the others. Our Y is the biggest one, making new lows. Go to the smaller ones, which you won't have quotes on them here, but like a Laurentian Bank and on the Toronto Stock Exchange. The things have just been getting killed. I mean, they're going to reset. So, I mean, they're actually, you know, if they can hold out for these next few years, maybe be okay. But I'll tell you, who's not going to be okay is a lot of these smaller regional banks that got these long mortgage books for 25 years. I mean, if these rates stay up here, you could run into a full nether regional banking crisis. And we haven't even put that on the table as an issue here. That's a major issue. This is what I'm concerned with. And I've been focusing on the KRE for two months now, and I'm going to continue focusing on it because I, I mentioned that when I started talking about this was the only thing that was holding us up was that AI bubble. That AI bubble has gone and the hype is gone. There's always the hype yes. moment. That hype moment is gone. Yeah. So now it's going to be gone. actual revenue. Like if you have actual revenue, yes, we'll give you the love. But we're not going to give you love if you just mention products in AI. Like, let's say today, there's one that's given us a partnership in AI. Let's talk a little bit about that. Let's go to Pelantier here as we continue going on the day. Pelantier here with a partnership. So let us know in the chat. What do you guys think about this partnership here with Pelantier as they're collaborating with PwC to accelerate operational transformation? The collaboration will combine Palantir's latest AI capabilities and PwC's industry experience to help clients realize value with data and AI-enable operations. What do you think One about Palantir? One here I have for Palantir is a lot of government contracts here. Government is going to be spending less going forward. I think, you know, we've got Biden and maybe we keep the same administration, but... They can't continue to spend the way they are. There's going to be, with the interest rates as high as they are, and they're going to have to service that, they're going to have to do some cutbacks here. There's going to be a little bit less spending. They can stop spending now. Are we going further in debt? For sure. There's no doubt about it. That path is still going to be going like crazy. But it would go even crazier if they continue the same amount of spending and have to service all this interest at these higher rates. So I think you've got to analyze it from that perspective is that this U.S. deficit, when you're staying long-term rates going higher, is not in better shape at all. So Palantir, I've sold my Palantir. It popped up, got out, basically got my money back out of it. Um, it's in a range here. Down to 14 has been a buy. But a lot of government contracts. I like, you know, the getting. Some, I, I think there's an AI sneaky play here. I think the AI story is ice cold. So I still think you sell them to the rips. That's what I see on Palantir right now. I look to the right-hand side, and what does this look like? An ugly head and shoulders. You can see does. Oh, I never even looked at that. Of Ooh, charts Mitch. like this. Look at Very the right-hand side. And, and that little pop, especially on the right-hand side of the shoulder, is always how they trick the bulls in these head and Suckers shoulders. Sucker's rally. It's a sucker's rally, yeah. And, and you'll see it. Why? Because it's a huge wick on the top side of that. And so that's what tells us, that's what tells me, be careful. The bulls got stuffed there. They were thinking it was going to pop through 17. It looked like there was going to go through this resistance on the left-hand side, which is the left-hand shoulder, 17, 16. And then they smack it right back on you. What ends up happening? The bulls get trapped. And now the bears come in and try to knock it through the support. I'll see if it goes through 13 on the downside action. On it's on is the next one here. Uh, let's keep moving to Swiss Performance Sportswear brand here. They have an investor day today. So if you guys want to tune in on this and you guys feel that Onon is a great company, uh, they did provide an update to guidance. They aim to double its fiscal year 23 sales by 2026, maintain full fiscal year 23 outlook, 58.5% uh, growth profit margins. I think in this environment, that's one of the most important things that you can be telling your investors is your gross profit margins and that you're being able to hit those margins is going to be what really gives you the appreciation in this environment. Um, on, 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 and on and on it goes. Um, get a pop up. This was a storied stock here. Retail is suffering. 
isn't the environment to be a retail hero in. Is this the Lululemon? You know, is this, you know, maybe, you know, I've heard so many good stories about this, or is it a fad? We don't really know. You have good support at 25. I'll give you the support. Good support at 25. I just don't think we're in an environment where I want to be a hero and be buying retail stocks. Yeah, this guy in the chat, this guy Dennis Dick said that the discretionary spending will slow. I don't know what that oh, guy's saying look in at the this. chat, but look at me. I never been on your screen. You never show my tweets here. So yeah. You like that one, Dennis? Everything will slow. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, that's the truth. And I think what one thing that we need to be thinking about is did you guys see the move yesterday in Lulu? I've been trying to short Lulu for two or three days. I take my eye off of it one day. <laughs> it finally goes. That's how it goes, guys. You take your eye off yeah. of it one day and look what happens. Look at that hourly candle yesterday. Chapow. And this what was happened also yesterday, a you got to group your stocks. We, the reason that I make money consistently trading isn't that I'm a technician, isn't that I'm an awesome fundamentalist. It's that I recognize relationships. Yes. What does Lulu have to do with Apple? Well, you'd say nothing. No, you're wrong. They are leaders. Mm -hmm. They are leaders. They are the generals of their industry. What they were coming for yesterday, to Joel's point, was the generals. They were coming for the generals. Lululemon is the general of retail. Apple is the general of technology. Those were the stocks getting hit yesterday. It was the generals. The XLUs, which have been severely punished, had seller's exhaustion and actually rallied. So, I mean, you started seeing separation. They were selling the weak or buying the weak and selling the strong. Lululemon, Apple, tied together here now because they are the generals. They won't always be. But right now, if you can identify that, hey, oh my goodness, they're coming for the leaders today. What's the leader of retail? Lululemon. Lululemon has its worst day in a month. So important to know your relationships, right? Know what leads, know what lags. And this is how we always try to catch some trades. Dennis has taught me this so much. And I've added this to just about every aspect of my trading is understanding relationship and where the money is going. Let's go ahead. Let's talk about this with our guest today. You guys out there, smash the like. Michael Houston, Chief Market Analyst at CMC Markets. It's good to have you, Michael. How are we doing morning, today? Mitch. Morning, Mitch. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Um, doing good. Because the trains are on strike, Kelsey Prees. The so, trains are on strike. It seems like everybody's on Do they want 40% raise? Michael, is this what it is? They want a 40% raise? Everybody wants a 40% raise. <laughs> yeah. I want a 40% raise. Did you get a 40% raise? I, I think this is an important question, right? I've been talking about the current environment, right? And we always like to talk about how the shifts, right? Right now, the shift, I think, has gone away from focusing on inflation overall mm -hmm. and to another side of inflation, which is the wage inflation, right? And the labor agreements that we're seeing out there. Talk to us at least what you're seeing across the pond and also what you think about wage inflation here in the U.S., well, I think certainly you're seeing some signs of slowing wage inflation in the US. The ADP report this morning would appear to suggest that. They talked about declining wage growth. I'm not sure what they mean by that. I think they probably mean slowing wage growth, i.e. it's not as high as it was a year ago, but it's still growing. And it's still probably growing by more than headline CPI. And the same is true over here. Our average wage growth is 7.8%. It was pretty much unchanged from what it was um, the previous month. And it's likely to remain high. There's still a number of settlements that are yet to filter through into the wage growth data. And if you know if wage growth is 7.8%, core prices here are 6.2, headline is 6.7. So we are now starting to get a rebalance back towards the worker as opposed to seeing their disposable incomes being hit. But you can't reverse 18 months of that in the space of two or three. So you're still going to get a considerable amount of wash through going through in terms of the numbers. The Bank of England mercifully has put rates on hold and I think they're done. I really don't think it's in anyone's interest for the Bank of England to hike rates anymore. I certainly don't think it's in anyone's interest for the US to do so. But I fear that given the fiscal stimulus that we're getting from the US government, um, it's going to make it very much harder to get that inflation level back to the 2% target this side of 2025. And that for me is what you're seeing being reflected in bond markets. The yield curve is uninverting, but it still has it still has a long, long way to go. 
You know, if you look at where we were even two or three months ago, we were, we were negative 108, twos, tens. We're now negative 33. So go back to 2006. Um, generally, you had a positive effect in terms of twos, tens. We haven't even begun to get into positive territory. So how we get there is likely to be very important, I think, in terms of where equity markets go next. Will we get there by virtue of the fact that the 10 and the 30 year go ever higher? Or will the two year start to slow down and fall back? And I think obviously that latter one is what we want to see. We want to see the two year come down relative to the 5, 10 and 30 year. Because um, if we don't, then I think stock markets are going to be in for a very, very, very rough ride. How does it feel over there? Like on the street, you talk to people. Are they feeling like, well, last time you were on, you was feeling, you know, like some people are feeling the pinch. How, how does it feel overall? Are people optimistic? Like they feel like we're turning this thing around or do they feel like we're going into the Great Depression and we're all in trouble? What What's the feeling over there? The feeling over there is actually probably more positive than negative, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's been the summer and generally when uh, the sun's weather. out, people tend to feel a little bit better. Energy prices are coming down, particularly natural gas prices, which is a good thing as we're heading into winter. So I certainly think that as we head into the fourth quarter, um, energy bills are going to be slightly more predictable. And I think that more than anything, I think, helps people when they're planning for the longer term finances. I think the bigger concern is really what's happening in, the, in bond markets and mortgage rates. Um, they've settled down a bit um, and consumer confidence is slightly better than it was two or three months ago. So I think it's very easy to be very, very negative. Um, and, I, and I don't think that helps anybody. I think sometimes you have to switch off from the mainstream media and actually speak to people around you. And that's certainly what I do, certainly around where I live, people in the office. Things probably aren't anywhere near as bad as people are painting um, in the mainstream media. But having said that, um, when the politicians say you've never had it so good, I don't believe that bull crap either. Ah. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Now, over here, mortgage demand dropping to its lowest level since 1996. Interest rates looking like they might be heading to 8%. How mm. is the mortgage demand? Yes, that's, that's not going to be good for the, the US mortgage market. I mean, who's going to pay? Eight percent, and if you're on a fixed rate mortgage, why would you move? Yeah, you it just doesn't make sense. You, you, oh. That's just not logical, right? Yeah. Unless you got fired or some reason. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, you're you're going to be trying to stay in your house, right? Absolutely. And I think that yeah. this is also opening up to what's going on, at least over here. I'm seeing a bunch of oversupply by the home builders as they're pushing and pushing, trying to get as many sales in this heightened environment. Are you guys seeing that also across the pond? Are, you, are like home builders just trying to push into this? Well, certainly if you live, I mean, I only have to look around me where I live here locally and there's housing estates, you know, thousands of houses going up across the board. And house builders now over here have started to actually pare back their um, expectations for homes, new homes built, completions, so we call them completions, over the course of the next 12 months. And essentially, why wouldn't you? If you're already building a whole host of new supply, why are you gonna build even more the following year when inflation is unlikely to return to target um, anytime in the next two years and mortgage rates are near multi-year highs? You're simply not going to do that. Now, that's not to say that the housing market is gonna seize up. I don't think that will happen, but ultimately I think supply will remain constrained. Now, of course, uh, we've been seeing oil start to take a turn a little bit as it just recently spiked above those 90s, almost getting up there. At least WTI got hit up to 95. Um, what do you think about oil overall, Michael? Are we going to be fighting this still up in the higher 90s or do we go back to the range of 70s? I think the key here is China. I think if you see a pickup in demand in China, you could see oil prices very easily hit $100 a barrel. I think, you know, Russia, OPEC Plus, they've got the, the global oil market over a barrel. You know, U.S. shale production is at a record level, and yet U.S. crude prices have jumped um, over 30% since June. And your SPR is pretty much depleted. You know, I mean, where where is the, where is the extra supply going to come from unless demand suddenly gets choked off. And I think that's what I fear the most, I think, over the winter. 
I think, you know, if, if OPEC continue to keep these production cuts in place, then I think it's highly likely that we could well see consumer demand start to tail off. Now, the US economy at the moment looks fairly resilient. I wonder what it's going to look like in the first quarter of next year, unless oil prices come down over the course of the next two or three months. This is, uh, you know, something that you can clearly see is that oil is now suddenly inversely correlated with equities. Like at a certain point in time, it was positively correlated last year. It's not anymore. The oil rally started in July, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the S&P sell-off started in July as well. Mm -hmm. And this market obviously very worried about inflation. It's something they can feel directly. It's something that hurts consumer confidence when they go to the pump and they're paying 25% more. That hurts consumer confidence here. So I think... Dennis, we've noticed it here. I mean, I noticed it when I filled up my car when I was a, went on a driving holiday around around Wales and Scotland. You know, instead of costing me seventy pounds, sorry, instead of costing me fifty pounds to fill up my tank, it cost me sixty-five. You know, that's fifteen pounds for every four or five hundred miles extra you that you're that. having to pay in terms of filling your car up. Yeah, you feel that directly. So I think. If oil starts to turn around and make new highs again, I think equities roll over too. So actually, you know, as much as, you know, we watch the TLT, we probably should be watching oil prices here too. Um, before we let you go here, Michael, just, uh, I mean, this bond market, like, let's take it back to this. It's just, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm just curious, like, what's happening over there? Because I don't look at the European bond market at all. I mean, the US, you know, we're talking about the TLT down you know, 16-year lows here. It has just been devastated, the U.S. US uh, bond market here. Is the same thing happening over in Europe? Like, are the bonds that weak over there? I, I don't pay attention to them, so I just want to get your thoughts. No, they, they they are. I mean, I mean, this is very much being driven by the U.S. bond market, um, definitely. But I, but I would argue that the U.S.'s economy is actually in a much better place than, say, for example, here in the U.K. and in Europe, I think. And I think what the ECB did last month was a huge mistake, in my view, because ultimately it's going to create this north-south divide again um, when it comes to servicing your debt loads. I mean, Italy's got 150% debt-to-GDP ratio, and they're going to have to refinance, you know, at levels of 45 5%. You know, now two or three years ago, they didn't have to virtually pay anything. So, you know, we've got a big problem over here in terms of rolling over existing debt and the fact that ultimately we've got stagnant economy. Um, I think the bigger concern for me is whether or not we continue to see this normalization, because it is normalization. We're back at where we were at the beginning of the decade. You know, it's unrealistic to think that we are going to go back to the levels that we were two or three years ago. And it's how the, how the market manages that, that transition as two years, five years, 10 years find their level over the course of the next six to 12 months. And that could dictate where we go to over the course um, in terms of the economy. The, you know, if you go outside, people aren't that pessimistic. You know, I think we sometimes need to take a step back as traders to what we're seeing play out in the markets. And what we're seeing play out in the markets is a little bit scary. You were talking earlier, Mitch, about Palantir and a head and shoulders. Look at the NASDAQ 100 and look at the series of lows that yeah. basically it's, it's currently holding above. I fear what might happen there if those series of lows get away because they essentially look like a head and shoulders, which is about to play out. Uh, and what could what could trigger that? Um, well, you know, 10 years, 30 years, up above 5%, which is essentially where they need to be, back to where they were at the beginning of the um, century. It just seems like a, a lot harder road, especially for the end of 23 here. And so that's what I at least I see, Michael. Is that see, uh, exactly how you see, see it? That. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. And, and the, the, the truth is, where's the positive going to come from, right? I don't it's think Michael is. Exactly. You you don't expect the really pivot positive. anytime soon. I don't expect the pivot anytime yeah. soon. So this is what we'll be looking for. It's always good to have you, Michael Houston, across oh, the pleasure. pond, Chief Cheers, Market guys. Analyst, CMC Markets. Check him out. Always good to have you, Michael. Take care. Thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. All right. Let's get back to the markets. Uh, TLT still hanging in there, right? I mean, this this is the story of the day, right, is kind of keeping your eyes on this action. Take a look at this. This says it all, right? From the morning, we've been just keep climbing. I'm just going to draw a simple trend line here just to continue yeah. to watch from the down action. As long as this line holds for me today, 
I think I'm going to continue to be watching what can we can just bounce back. Does it mean, you know, a climb, a rally? No, it's just more along a bounce back. And now that we got to watch to see where the next level are on the hourlies and things like this to kind of look for resistance. For me, what stands out just on the hour, hourly charts, let's go to the hourlies and you guys can see to the left-hand side, we have a little bit of a gap here. That's going to be our first attempted resistance. Let's see what happens around 86.50s. What are you seeing in the markets, Dennis? Um, I'm seeing a, a rally, like a sustained rally here so far on the TLT. It's really good news to see. Like We're up about a buck fifty from the lows, which is not nothing. So this is good. I think we got to go back to the oil conversation here too. I don't Let's think do it's it. a coincidence that oil is weak here today. Oil's having a really rough day. Yep. Um, I think the market's applauding that. So um, we've got to be, you know, also recognizing that not only is the TLT a leader, but oil is a leader as well. I was the leader in the fact that equity starts selling off when oil starts rallying. And, and you know what? Oil selling off the last few days like not yesterday maybe um you know maybe that's not the best example of yesterday because oil was a little bit weak yesterday but holding up but this breakdown in oil today i think some are i think the stocks like that literally was calling for yesterday a little bit of a bounce back on the hourly to hourly resistance for some reason xom loves to do this kind of action where it gives up comes back to the hourly resistance and starts using that as resistance yesterday i was given 116.50 level it seems like we've got a lot closer hold towards 116.20 level, but today already coming back towards that support, right? So now we'll be watching to see if 115 reject. We did get an update from OPEC this morning that we're meeting around seven. No policy change as expected. Saudi Arabia and Russia continuing their voluntary cuts in the next meeting scheduled for November 26. So we'll have some time before if we see any changes in OPEC now i think you start to see for the range type of trade right where will we pull back to is something that i'll be looking for i'm actually looking for oil shorts right uh, i love this name to trend valero i know that you traded pxd you finally got rid of it uh dennis so i'm all now. out of oil i have no oil stocks i i think in my opinion on oil is that oil is topped out a few yeah. of these things I'm saying makes me want to start to nibble into some equities. I mean, TLT is okay. starting to try to show a little bit of life. Again, if it makes new lows, you don't want to see that. But part of it, like, I think I think the oil rally is over for the year. So I think oil is going to break down. I think a consumer slowdown will hit oil. I mean, again, supply issues, you know, I can't comment to, but I can comment to demand issues. And if all of a sudden, Consumers a little bit less stretched, you know, then a few less trips, you know, a few, you know, um, you know, like airplane rides, like I'm talking about, like going down, you know, doing things. I mean, all that will hit demand. So I think we've got a slowdown coming and I don't think oil is going to just continue to go up if we get a consumer slowdown. Yeah, I think we've got to be careful for quick pullbacks. Oil loves to kind of shake out either the bears here at the bottom or the bulls here at the top, right? You guys can clearly see how this chart works, right? It goes up, it comes down, it goes up, comes down. Now it looks like we're on that downturn. We'll see what happens there in oil. For me, watch to see if we can get WTI to go into lower 80s, going into the 70 handle. Oh yeah, these oil stocks will start letting go pretty quickly. Let's move on towards an interesting conversation. Uh, Uber is now doing offering return package shipping uh, through UPS, FedEx, or USPS on its Uber uh, app, of course, an Uber Eats app. And this was just an interesting conversation. Uh, so they'll come to, get your package for you and bring it back so you can return exactly. it. Exactly. So they'll take it to FedEx. They'll take it to USPS. For a small fee, it can charge up to $5 flat fee, and they take a picture of the receipt that they go and they deliver it, and you get to track them as they go ahead and go towards the UPS. I think this is a really good use of their drivers because sometimes their drivers, let's just be honest, they're sitting around, and they have such an access to these drivers that the more and more that you can do delivering, that's what you need to do. You just need to continue working that workforce. So I think this is a good situation. They already had a situation with Uber Connect that would allow you to deliver in a close range environment uh, like packages. Now they're working with U UPS, FedEx, USPS. Why not work with Amazon also? You might be seeing that pretty soon. 
I think Uber is the best run company out there. Obviously, out of Lyft, Uber, you know Uber's best of breed. But this company just is run really, really well. It's actually a stock I would like to own. The problem here is I think we're going to slow down, and I don't think Uber is going to. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think they're, they're going to be exempt from a, a consumer slowdown. So you know, people doing a little bit less traveling, a little bit less. That's going to hit Uber too. But the management's so smart here. Would this be on my shopping list? Absolutely. Stock trades only 27 times earnings here on forward basis. So, I mean, it's starting to get to, like, they have some growth still there, significant growth. They're finding new revenue. The debt load's not crazy. It's $9 billion. It's not fun, but it's not crazy either. either. The revenue growth is substantial. I mean, Uber is definitely on my shopping list. I've talked about liking this stock before. Um, I've played it a few times here. It's just run a long ways. I would love this stock back at 35. Am I going to get it there one day? I don't know. But if we went into a really ugly period, this one would be on my shopping list. I don't want to pay 27, 28 times for stuff right now, though, because I feel like a slowdown is coming. Shopping list. And we always got to have our shopping list, especially on downside action, because at some point, this is going to be a dip to buy. The only question is where? And yeah, for what sure. Turns it right. What turns it right? We always lean towards that. Now, the level that I've been giving it is a fifty percent retracement for the overall market. We'll see if we can get there. Right, that's going to be closer towards that four twenty spot. We're right. We're right above that, and we're definitely oversold. RSI on the daily down there towards fifteen, and for me, historic RSI. Anything below twenty one on the spy tells me that at some point I can expect a bounce coming. I don't always use it as like it needs to happen the very next day, but at some point down the line, like let's say like a week time frame, I would be looking for some kind of bounce. We'll see if we get it. What do you think about the bounce to action today, Dennis? TLT, your lie detector test here. Let's keep an eye on it. I'm also going to be watching the USO when I started talking about oil stocks, not watching the oil stocks themselves because what happens, and I need to explain this to the listeners, maybe some newer ones. When the VIX starts to get elevated and we're on an elevated list, a stock is a stock is a stock. Normally, oil stocks move completely with oil. Once the VIX starts getting over 20, they start being correlated with stocks because stocks are stocks. And you start to actually see if you get to a VIX of 30, they'll sell oil stocks off with the SPY and not actually with oil. So right now, we're still mostly oil. But just keep an eye if oil's down, stocks, oil stocks likely to be down. But you know, you can see you know some weakness yesterday in some oil stocks where, you know, you didn't see any weakness really in the USO yesterday. So just keep in mind, we're not at that market environment here yet, but I'm watching oil as an indicator, not so much oil stock. So keep the USO on your screen. I like that outlook and definitely we'll be catching to see what happens in the market today. We'll see if the XLU continues to go lower yesterday, a little bit of a bounce back in the Trying utilities. Do, we have seller you... exhaustion and a lot of stuff here. I mean, yes. it's not every week that the UXULU we already talked about goes down 10%. Mm -hmm. So you've seen consumer staples, a lot of them decimated here. Are we due for a bounce in some of that stuff? I mean, some of that stuff yeah. is typically defensive. I think so, especially if the TLT bounces. The TLT bounces. Watch for that XLU to bounce even harder. So, I mean, because there's always been a positive correlation between TLT and XLU because they trade like bonds. So, I mean, you start seeing the bonds bounce. That's really good news for XLU. It was good news that we bounced a bit on the XLU yesterday. We'll keep an eye on this market here. Guilty until proven innocent, but have your shopping list. I mean, I don't think we're going into, like, I do think we're going to have a hard landing, but I don't think we're going into, like, end of times here unless we start getting regional banking failures, and that's going to take, you know, a whole another, and, and that is a concern. So I think, you know, some cash is prudent, but... Have your shopping list. You know, if you get a company of decent valuation that you like long term, you're putting something away for five to 10 years here. Like I said, I think if you're putting the TLT away for 10 years here, I think you'll be happy. If you're putting it 10, for 10 days, I'm not sure you're going to be happy because we're definitely catching the falling knife. I think that's important to kind of keep an eye out for. Um, and also, I think it's going to be a very stock pickers environment for the rest of the year, right? You're going to have to pick. Good companies. It's no longer, I think, just look for any growth out there, too, because there was a second there that you saw a lot of ARKK stocks just ripping to the moon and starting to push back. Now, where do you see those companies going? Just take a look at like a Roku, right? It, look at this chart. This chart says it all. Look at that daily chart. These stocks were popping, popping, popping. Now they're dropping like a rock. 
I think we need to be very careful oh, which, which ones we're looked at it for a while. grabbing. Look at Unity. It, it, this oh, one started I'm popping Unity. back. I've looked at that one. That one's hit, hitting me. That's the one that I got that I wish I didn't have. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, 28 doesn't really seem like it can it can hold here. I don't I don't think it. I mean, it's it's right back to it. 26, 28. Will that be able to hold here for Unity? And that's why I'm keeping an eye on maybe even taking a at least long at kind of like hedge style trade with Sark. Some things like this is just what I'm thinking about. You guys can catch this kind of action, this kind of talk. Yeah, I always just I would just trading. short arc if I didn't, you know. And we we obviously, you know, you know, a lot of people like to trade the Sark because they maybe can't short stocks. Maybe at Robinhood you can't short stocks. And it's your way of playing the other side. So I understand why the vehicle exists, but I mean I don't understand these Teslas. TSLL is the one point five percent well right? full <laughs> Tesla, and then you have TSL. There's another one TSS. I don't know why there. There's a, the they're coming out with these one. all the time. There's a one point seven five times. What's the one point seven five times on TS on Tesla? Like, uh, why are you? Why are we allowing these vehicles to be created? I get Sark because it's allowing people. It's a purpose. It allows people at Robinhood who can't short stocks, don't have a margin account to bet on the other side. So I get that. I don't understand in the, for the life of me, why would we ever create a vehicle of 1.5 times Tesla? Just if you're buying 100 shares, you buy 150 shares. It makes absolutely no sense. And I don't know why regulators are allowing these vehicles to be created. There makes no sense that TSLL, and I'm sorry to Direxion, you know, because they're obviously have yeah. created this and they're finding different ways to make money. It makes absolutely no sense that TSLL exists. If you yeah. want to buy Tesla, simply go buy 150 shares if you're buying 100. Or if you're buying one share, you know, then I guess, you know, then you can't buy 1.5 shares. But you can do that at Robinhood, I think, too. They were doing partial shares. So it just it's just stupid. Dumb vehicles. That's where we're getting into trouble creating all this stuff. But there's a now I, I noticed, and I don't know what it is. Maybe the chat knows. There's a 1.75 times on Tesla. 1.75 times. TSLQ, maybe that one. I don't is know. Is that what sure, it is? But, uh, no, I'll that's tell you the one fair thing. one. There's like a million of these. It's ridiculous. Why why are we creating a one? We're going to have a 1.66 times. All this is is money grab for the issuers. I mean, this is just you costing said it best, right there. retail money. It's absolutely mm -hmm. ridiculous that we create these vehicles. Sark, we're fine with because it allows you to bet. I get, you know, the, the inverse because it allows Robinhood to and bet. And it's multiple on, stocks, but, right? Multiple stocks. Yeah. That's what I would say why Sark is but a little these, bit better. But these, like, there's G O G L or G O I don't stock. know. G O O. There's Google, and then there's a Google that's 1.5 times, and there's probably a Google that's two times. T S L R, thank you very much. Trade mix, thank you very much. TSLR is the 1.75 times long Tesla. You know, it's like seven minute abs, six minute abs, five minute abs. I mean, come on. Regulators, I know you guys listen to this show. Regulators, oh, stop come the on, insanity. Guys. Don't allow these vehicles to be created. They're yeah, absolutely just... stupid. And I, what I like to say is that truly, let's keep things simple, right? ETFs are ETFs. They should be a combined vehicle where multiple stocks are coming together when we start doing etfs of one stock is that truly an etf that's not what they were made for at least i that's not from my understanding of finance oh, i know dennis you so studied about this the cfa and you studied how etfs were probably intended to be this is not the intention so that's what I would say. Hey, that's what you guys get from today's pre-market prep. We had a great show for you guys. Do us the favor, guys. Hit that like button. We're not getting enough likes. You guys want to keep pre-market prep on? Well, this is how you guys show us the feedback. We don't require payment, but we do require some feedback. And that's just the thumbs up or thumbs down. And I'm always in agreement. I'm not telling you you have to do thumbs up. I just want your feedback. So hit those thumbs. Let us know what you guys think and hit the comments after. What do you guys like on pre-market prep? And what do you guys not like on pre-market prep? We're not going to get mad. We want the show to get better. So you guys give that feedback down in the comments below. Hit the Thank like you. button. It's always good to have you, Dennis. We'll see you tomorrow. And guess what, guys? You guys won't have myself or Joel tomorrow and thir uh, Thursday and Friday. You guys this? are going to be this? having the one, the only AB. There he is. What up, Money Mitch?
<laughs> How we doing? It's good to see yeah. you, my man, AB. I had, to, I had to pull you on. You're ready to go bright and early. My man's ready. He's tuning in. So don't miss my man AB tomorrow. Me and Aaron are gonna rock it tomorrow. We've done Aaron. I've done Aaron's a show a few times with Aaron. Aaron does a great job. So AB's gonna be here with me. Triple D and AB gonna rock it out here Thursday and Friday. Let's go, AB. Let's do it. It's gonna be a good time. Great show, guys. Today, I uh, love tuning in. Hey, always great to have you, AB. That's gonna do it for us today on Pre Market Prep. You guys stick around. We got live trading coming up next. Don't go anywhere. 